Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Sports World with T. Hart. Back and better than ever and ready to get going. Um, we got new logo art, man, uh, provided to me by E-Tram. Is E-Tram a great graphic artist that I know, really know, he's a family member. Um, if you're interested, if you like some of the artwork that's up on my uh, logo art for my show, email me at lspeaking.com. 04 at gmail.com fspeaking04 at gmail.com and I'll put you in contact with him and you can discuss whatever you guys need to discuss um today I'll be flying solo uh kind of back in the saddle again uh we're going to talk about a few topics today first topic I'm going to talk about today is uh as I'm recording this it's uh Saturday October 14th and the world of college football. And oh my goodness, we finally got, or maybe let me say the powers that be, they finally got what they were looking for. And I'll explain. So in the top 10 today, out of the top 10, you got number one, Georgia, two, Ohio State, three, Alabama, four, Clemson. Five Michigan, seven Tennessee, seven USC, eight Oklahoma State, nine Ole Miss, ten Penn State. Now, having said all that, Georgia they won their game. SEC, mighty mighty SEC, they won their game, um, pretty handily. Ohio State won their game. Where where the world is gonna be, and you may have seen this already. Well, the world is shocked is that, and it's not really a shock, but Alabama lost their game. And that's huge for the, for the fact that Alabama has been this juggernaut for the past 10, 15 years. And now they finally lost the game. Now, needless to say, it's not, not saying they won't make the college playoffs because remember the change, uh, the playoff expansion don't go into effect yet. So it's only the top four teams going to go to the playoffs. And it looks like with with Alabama losing and they lost to Tennessee, which is number six, if everything holds true, Clemson should move to three, Michigan should move to four, and Tennessee may move to five if they don't jump Michigan. But Michigan be the top ten opponent as well. So that's going to be interesting how they vote. Um, but and keep an eye on USC at seven. And the reason why I say that, guys, uh, for the past 10 years, pretty much the football world has excluded the West Coast. And they've been doing everything they can to get the West Coast relevant again. Um, now, with Lincoln Riley and his ability to recruit and keep some of those players home, USC is going to be on the map now for a while. And they they ranking may be inflated. Kind of like uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame started off the year ranked number four, unproven, but they definitely want to get that Catholic school in there if they can. And every time they get to the playoffs, they get slaughtered because they don't have the athletes. And that's why their coach, Brian Kelly, left LSU. I mean, left Notre Dame to go to LSU so he could um, get a chance for a championship and have the horses in the stable, so to speak. So, if you hadn't known it or thought about it yet, this is a huge blow to Alabama. Um, 
they could run the table and still probably meet Georgia or Tennessee because I believe Tennessee is in the SEC East. So Georgia and Tennessee going to pick each other off. So the only thing is Alabama can't take another loss now. If they get two losses, it's pretty much going to it's going to doom their season, doom, doom their chance for a playoff. And, you know, for them, it's championship or bust, literally. Uh, but the problem, Alabama just don't have the dynamic athlete like they usually have. Uh, their their running game is kind of suspect. Uh, I don't the play calling Bill O'Reilly. I mean, he's so so at best. I, I don't I don't know. Uh, he got fired from Houston. You know, he's the one traded to Andre Hopkins and ran off to Sean Watson, things like that. But I digress. But the college sports world as we know it, has officially been shaken up. And if we can get, and I say we like I'm part of the college committee, but if I can get representation from the South, the North, and the East, and the West, that is the perfect balance to get the best school out of each one of those regions and have them battle it out. If you, As you well know, usually you got two teams from the Southeastern Conference maybe a Clemson from the ACC, which is which is, which is is Southeast America, and you get that one school from the Big Ten if it's not Ohio State. And Ohio State can't compete. Let's be clear. They can't compete, though. But these other schools that's not there can't compete. But I'm interested to see, and you guys, if you're sports fans, watch that ranking when it comes out Monday. I'm interested to see how far or how, how they're going to rearrange and where would they put Alabama. That is very interesting to me. Uh, I have no dog in the fight. That swirling sound you hear in the commode, that's Texas A&M going down the drain. So I have no dog in the fight. No comment whatsoever about really about football. Not hating on anybody. I'm just interested to see what happens with Alabama. And now we get the, the politics involved. So I predict that keep your eye on USC. That's my prediction. And watch those guys get elevated, and they're playing Utah tonight. Uh, as as I when I last looked, it was twenty eight to fourteen. I hadn't looked in a while. I've been messing with this show, but very very interested to see where USC ends up uh, because I know for a fact years and years, and I'm included in this. If it's any way to knock off Alabama. I'm all for it, and I guarantee you, deep dark in the minds of those college football committee members, they're all for it too, but no one will say it publicly. So I'll say it. We need Alabama to lose and lose often to get them out the way because they're always going to get the benefit of the doubt because of their pedigree, and they deserve it. I mean, they've been a pillar of champions for the past 10 years, so they deserve whatever they get, but me being an Aggie fan, I need them to lose, and I want them to lose horribly and frequently. So we'll see. We'll see. So my prediction, like I said, is keep your eye on USC. They're seven at the moment. They shouldn't jump Clemson, Michigan, or Tennessee. But I'm, I'm telling you, watch the politics. I, I guarantee you it's going to be very, very interesting. And college football, they may have finally gotten it right with this NIL. Um, like, and I've I, I said this on previous shows, with the with when you got NIL, the name and likeness, 
now each school, the boosters that's really not affiliated with the schools can pony up money for these guys. They can put it to their business. Like if you got a guy that own a car dealership, he can say, um, T Hart is representing uh, Bulletproof Dodge, and that's the way you can follow money to me. Uh, if you and when I say name and likeness, if you saw the story this week that LeBron James' son signed a, a million dollar deal with Nike or something like that, and it's, it showed like four or five athletes that are already uh, millionaires. Um, I, I think if you can capitalize, because it's a capitalistic society that we live in America, go ahead and get it. We question them what's going to happen after they get it, the motivation, because all the financial gurus will tell you now, I mean, even though we all would love to have a million dollars, it don't go quite as long as it used to. So a million dollars is not anything. It's nothing to rest on, definitely. So we'll see how that goes. But this name and likeness is leveling the playing field, and that's exactly what they intended to, for it to do. Um, and you saw kind of the effects of that with Nick Saban when he was uh, pouting to his boosters uh, early in the spring, basically telling them we need to get, we going to have to dig deeper if we want to compete because just if we just have to recruit from the state of Alabama or maybe poach a little bit for Florida, we won't be able to compete with the USC um, athletes or the um, the Texas athletes. If if these players start staying close to home so their families and things like that can go see the game, it's going to be tough for Alabama uh, going forward. Uh, we saw when Bryce Young got hurt a couple of weeks ago, hurt his shoulder, that guy named uh, Milrow came in. Uh, he's a good athlete, but he's not a good thrower of the ball yet. And Alabama pretty much is, has made the transition to where they're kind of like an air raid almost offense. I mean, they got good linemen. They still got a, a solid running attack, but they don't have um, they don't have that horse that they need. So we'll see. It's very interesting. Like I said, keep an eye on USC, and um, I wouldn't be surprised where they end up. And I wouldn't. I want to see how far Alabama drop because they 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 lost one game. So we got to see. But I will take a break, and I will get back later. Peace. Okay, we're back. All right, this segment I want to talk about. Um, on October 15th, tomorrow, uh, the NFL's games is coming up. Um, they It's not really nothing that's eye-popping, but it's two games that's kind of jumping off the screen at everybody. You got the Bills and Chiefs and the Cowboys and the Eagles. Now, Bills and Chiefs. Um... It's not that the Bills can beat the Chiefs. It's not they, that, that they have beat the Chiefs. Maybe they beat them once in a regular season last year. But when if you go back to the playoff game, which was a classic last year, um, it was so good. They were going back and forth. I mean, not much to say about the defenses, but they were going back and forth. And the game was so good. The NFL had to change the rules in over overtime. That's crazy. Where it used to be sudden death, now the game was so good they made it to where at least both teams get one possession. So they so 
they get a chance to battle it out, so to speak. And then after that, they go from there. But um, I, I know this is probably a horrible comparison, but uh, Josh Allen, man, he's a nuclear weapon. I mean, he's a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, if you look at all the quarterbacks in the league, and you heard me talk about this a few a few episodes ago about Hellcats and things like that, him and Patrick Mahomes, man, they in the league by themselves. I used to want to, not not really. I want to. I almost said I want to put Lamar Jackson there, but Lamar Jackson can be contained. We saw that with Cincinnati. He's really he's not accurate. He missed a lot of throws. But that's another episode at another time. But Josh Allen, uh, uh, oh my God, this dude is like six five. He can run. He reminds you of a young Ben Roethlisberger with the act with more accuracy than Ben Roethlisberger. But I will say this: if you look at Ben Roethlisberger, he kind of fell off a cliff at age thirty five. He couldn't keep doing that running. Cam Newton, thirty one, fell off a cliff. So, but we're gonna appreciate it while he's young. So while we're here. This game tomorrow, I mean, I hope it lives up to all the hype that it's creating. I believe it's going to be showing in all markets on CBS. It's going to be a highly rated game. It's going to be amazing. Um, will it go anywhere? Any A long way to determine anything psychologically? I think the uh, Buffalo Bills probably need this game more than the Chiefs. But they beat them last year in the regular season and it really didn't do anything. So I don't know if anybody's going to gain anything from this game. I don't know if anybody's going to gain, but I do know it's going to be a great game. I hope I'm hoping for a great game. I'll say that. Um, I I do question Kansas city. People are kind of touting their offense or the newfound patience that Mahomes has and driving the ball down the field. But I look at, when you lose such a dynamic weapon like Tyreek Hill, you can see the, how the offense is kind of sputtering a little bit because they're having to depend on Juju Smith-Schuster, a, 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 re, a reject from Pittsburgh, um, Marquez Valdez-Scanlon. He came from Green Bay. He's really he, he's really a deep threat. That's what he's that's what he's billed as. Uh, McCole Hardeman. He got speed, but he cannot catch to save his life. Uh, you got Edwards Hilaire in the backfield. They got this new guy they like, Jerry McKinnon. He gets a few touches. And then you got Travis Kelsey, of course, uh, who just scored like four touchdowns against the Raiders on the, uh, last week. But they were short touchdowns. So the whole point of it, what I want to get to is, when you take Tyreek Hill away, the offense is not, that dynamic Kelsey's not having such big games he's not that open because the way the route combinations work if Tyreek Hill goes through that middle he's dragging uh, the corner that's with him and that safety and he may have a linebacker keeping an eye on him and if when they hesitate just that little bit then Kelsey can run a different kind of route you know him and Mahomes on the same shit of music and that's why Kelsey always looked open when he was playing with Tyreek Hill if you look at the stats now, Kelsey is not putting up near the numbers that he usually put up. Uh, you can attribute it to a lot of things. I attribute it to the fact that Tyreek Hill is gone 
and they're not playing too deep safety no more to play against their team. They have nobody that they fear other than Kelsey. He's the number one threat. So the best thing to do is clog the, clog the middle, chip him, put a safety on him, and you can pretty much keep him in check. I mean, he's going to get short yardage points because they're in sync. If you're not getting pressure from your line and making moving Mahomes off his spot, yeah, they're going to pick you apart. But I will give the Chiefs credit. They 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 do run the ball a lot more. They do. Uh, they are patient and they move the ball methodically down the field, which is great. But their defense. We talk about the loss of Tyreek Hill. What about the loss of Tyron Matthew in the back end back there, the quarterback of the defense? He was like the the honey badger. He was a ball hawk and played off his instincts, man. He he meant a lot to the team, and I and I say that because if you go back to the game uh, Monday night, how did Devontae Adams catch two deep balls over 50 yards? How is that possible? And he would have caught that fourth and one if Hunter Renfro wouldn't have ran into him and collided with him. Uh, I think he would have been open then. He was gone. So I really think that well, the, that Kansas City got flaws. Every team got flaws, uh, but Kansas City flaws is their defense. And I don't know if Mahomes truly trusts his receivers outside of Kelsey, because they hadn't shown anything, anything to make him trust them. So, and I'll go to the other side of the ball, uh, Buffalo. Wow. They team is solid. They got a good front line. I mean, defensive line. They got a good linebacker core with Edmonds. I like him in the middle linebacker. Um, and you go back to their, their safeties. Appear to, I, they got good safeties in Poyer and the other guy. Um, but, I mean, and they do okay. I just hadn't seen them really play anybody, but they do okay. Um, the problem with the Buffalo Bills is, they don't have a running attack to speak of. I thought Zach Moss was a great running back, but and I mean not great like Hall of Fame great, but it's serviceable. I just don't see the production out of Moss, Singletary, and I kind of thought that James Cook, Dalvin Cook brother out of the University of Georgia, a rookie this year, I kind of thought he would get a little play in there, um, scat back type situations. He's a great receiver out the backfield. At least he was in college. But I hadn't seen the production out of him yet. So the onus of the running goes to Josh Allen. Ergo takes me to my prior point that you won't be able to survive running like that or you'll end up like a Cam Newton or a Ben Roethlisberger where you just fall off this cliff all of a sudden. And people wonder what happened to you. So I think that Buffalo has to figure out a run game. They have to figure out a run game. They have to. Uh, the next game I want to talk about, it's kind of a surprise. Um, and, well, not really a surprise, but the Eagles are a surprise. Uh, the last undefeated team in the league, NFL, NFC and AFC, um, all they're doing is winning, man, and they look good doing it. They probably got the best offensive line in the league. And in the, they got one of the top defensive lines in the league. I think the Cowboys got the top defensive line in the league. I'm very interested to see um, 
how will they contain Jalen Hurts? And Mr. Jalen Hurts, man, is having a fantastic MVP caliber year to this point. He's in total control of his offense. He got all the checks, the motions to make you just expose what you're doing. He can run the read option. He can pull it and pass. He's get his accuracy. You can tell he's worked on his accuracy. It's getting better. And the ownership, man, that's amazing. They went out and got him those weapons. A.J. Brown, great. Devontae Smith was a draft pick. Uh, I think they could invest more in the running back department. Miles Sanders is serviceable. Um, you got Dallas Goddard at tight end. I mean, they got receivers, and they got uh, they got everything in place. And so I think for the first time, if you don't know Jalen Hurst's story, he was a star down there in uh, Manville, Texas, in the Houston area. Uh, he go, gets recruited. He goes to Alabama. Uh, he just he got replaced by Tua basically uh, in the championship game against in a, against Georgia. Um, and he he took it on the chin, man. I think he stayed another year actually after that, and. End up play, came in and pitch hit for uh, Tua when he got hurt in a rematch game against Georgia and actually won. So I mean, but he he still he didn't he didn't get the starting spot, so he ended up transferring to Oklahoma. So my point is, J- Jalen Hurst has been always been second fiddle basically, or not the first thought, because he they always thought his flaws overrode his ability, but. It, he is the epitome of perseverance, patience, and hard work paying off. And he's reaping the benefits for it now. The only thing he needs now is to get that bag. They need to pay the man. Um, no, is he a you know, nuclear weapon up there with Josh Allen? No. But right now, I give credit to the coaching staff for calling things to his strength. The play action, the rollouts. Um, so he make it, he can make easy throws where you got rollout where they roll into one side of the field and the receivers are dragging with him, following across the middle. And so those are easy throws for a quarterback, easy placement. All you got to do is lead him a little bit, and it's, it's, a lot of times it'll be a reception. So I think uh, Jalen Hurts may finally get his respect. Like I said, the only thing he's missing is the bag. Uh, they need to pay the man. But if there's any two games to watch out for, watch out for the Cowboys and Eagles and watch out for the Chiefs and the Bills. And I'll be remiss. I did. I totally slipped my mind to get into the Cowboys, who has also been a pleasant surprise. I can't be a hater. Uh, um, they The record is you are what you are. they 4-1. They're playing good. What I will say, uh, they playing with the backup. And I think the injury to Dak – it did a couple of things. It it put confidence in all the players of Ezekiel and Pollard and CD Lamb. Schultz been hurt, but you got a rookie tight end that looks pretty good. But uh, it puts it. They all stepped up. But I like the fact that the play calling has gotten better. Instead of putting it all on Dak's shoulders, you loosening up the defense by running the ball, and then you can. Loosen them up where you can pass CeeDee Lamb in those gaps and those zones, man. And now Cooper Rush is playing within the framework of the offense. He's not trying to do too much. He just do his reads. One, two, three. If they're going to throw the ball away, hand it off. 
re, they need to run the ball at least 30, 40 times a game. Easy. I don't think Zeke or Pollard is a 20-carry back. But between the both of them, if they get a 40, 40 carries between the both of them, man, that'd be perfect. Or or 30 between the both of them. I think that'd be an ideal situation for the Cowboys because they're going to have to control the clock the best they can, you know. So I'm interested to see how that goes, man. And I want to see that defensive line against um, the Eagles' offensive line, man. It's, it's, it's pretty special. Uh, Michael Michael Parsons, everything is advertised. Um, that Dorrance Armstrong is having a great year at the tackle position, causing havoc in there, forcing a double team, freeing up um, Michael Parsons to do what he do on the end. Uh, you look at um, Demarcus Lawrence having a good game, a good season, solid season. You know they're not blowing the world away with sacks, but they putting up so many hurries on those quarterbacks, man. So I give credit to the Cowboys, the coaching staff, and wow, I mean, Jerry Jones, the pro- <laughs> he's a prophet, huh? He called this. Uh, right now, they play on, putting a play on words, saying he won a country, quarterback controversy, which I don't, I don't see that happening. I mean, um, it's not the fact that you're paying Dak all this money; it's the fact that Dak is the guy, and Cooper Rush. You know, people are what they are. He was undrafted for a reason. If he was, if he was an NFL quarterback that that required to be on a roster somewhere, he would have been on a roster, not on the Cowboys practice squad, and elevated up. So, yeah, I can't wait to see the game tomorrow, man. I'm kind of excited. Uh, and they flex it Sunday night too. That's gonna be a good one. It's coming on Sunday night. So, uh, get uh, like To would say, get your popcorn ready. That Eagles. Cowboys game is going to be a uh, hopefully a good game. Um, they hate they hate each other, bitter rivals. If you remember the little guys that booed Michael Irvin when he was laying injured on the turf, uh, legendary for booing Santa Claus. So they booed Kobe. So you know it's it's, it's a tough it's a tough place to play. Um, and I had looked at the schedule. There's no I I can't tell you right now. Let me I have to look to see where they're playing at. But my point is. Philly and Dallas are not fans of each other. And so overall, week six of the NFL is really going to be a lackluster. They playing in Philly tomorrow. It's a lackluster uh, week as far as matchups, but the two marquee matchups are pretty good with Buffalo, Kansas City, and Dallas and Philadelphia. So make sure you check those out. Uh, we're going to take a break. I'll be back shortly with my final segment. Peace. Business All right, we're back. Last thing I want to talk about, man, I hope, man, I just really hope, 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 hope. And, and you know, being in the military, they always tell you hope is not a strategy. But I hope boxing don't mess this up, man. We got an opportunity for one of the biggest fights in a few years with Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence to happen on November 19th. Um... But as usual with boxing, it's, it's so 
so much confusion, you know. You got to figure out a way to get these guys to fight. Because now, I mean, they nitpick, and they, the last report was um, they're debating, they're, they're arguing over the contract, you know, and who wants a, a certain amount of the purse, and who wants, I'm bigger than you, I should get 70% or 50%, you should get, I mean, you know, 60, you should get 40, things like that, man. And they and they saying the fight's in jeopardy. I mean, Terrence Crawford left Bob Arum to make the fight happen the promoter to get the greedy promoters out of the way. And this is what made the UFC come of age because they would let the people fight that needed to fight. It was all, it's always a championship fight, but I just, I'm scared. We're going to see another Pacquiao and Mayweather situation where, uh, Spence and Crawford fight two years past their prime or something like that. And, and I think, um, Spence is like 34, Four thirty-five, and uh, Crawford's already 37, 38. So if we gotta wait a couple of years, I mean, they they could be over with. But right now, man, they're at the top of their game. Come on, boxing, man, we gotta get this right. Um, and I mean, and I talk about this with my friends. Errol Spence is taking on this role of a bad guy, you know, because they got to promote the fight. They really don't need any promotion for true boxing fans, but to get the casual fan to come see it, you got to have a, a Ivan Drago on Rocky four. If you will, you got to have a bad guy, you know, every, every good superhero got to fight a villain. And so Errol Spence is taking on this role because he got the belts. And I think Crawford got one belt. So he's not really undisputed. So he got to try to get all of the belts. And, I mean, Crawford has been so dominating and Spence has been so solid. This would be or will be or hopefully it will be one of the biggest fights I've seen in a long time. And I'm willing to pay money for it to see it. It's that that huge, man. So you got to make sure if this fight happens, y'all check for it and tune in it. It's scheduled for November 19th. Uh, both of these guys are undefeated. Both of them are considered uh, in the top five, probably pound for pound fighters. And then this is the welterweight division. So they got to hurry before they start putting on too too much weight. I think welterweight is like 147 or something like that. So, man, if you, if you hadn't been checking for it, yeah. Start looking at Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford if you're not a boxing fan. But this is a fight that needs to happen. Come on, boxing guys, make it happen while these guys are in their prime. It's very important. The world wants to see it. I want to see it. So make it happen. And I guess that's my little spiel about boxing. Um, Next thing I want to talk about is... um, Daniel Snyder, Takashi 69 of the NFL. Did you hear what he got going on? I often do segments about uh, NFL is too big to fail. Nothing brings the NFL down. They survived the woke movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, they, either the LGBTQI movement. There's nothing can affect the NFL. I told you about the $110 billion contract they got signed for 11 years. I told you Amazon paid them $13 billion for Thursday Night Football. $13 billion for one night. 
And on back-to-back Thursday, we had the Broncos, sorry, team, Broncos and the Colts. And last uh, this past Thursday, we had the Washington Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears. Horrible, horrible football. But they paid $13 billion for the year. That's crazy for one night of football. Anyway, I digress. I already did this show. Um, Daniel Snyder, if you didn't know. He, so go all the way back. John Gruden, if you remember last year, the coach of the Raiders. When they filed those emails and things like I said, he was talking about women and, and, and minorities and things of that nature. He was emailing an executive for the Washington uh, commanders. Uh, I, I want to say Redskins so bad. Um, so that that's that to give you some context, he was emailing somebody in the organization. Not to mention in the middle of all that. Um, Daniel Snyder got accused or the work in, the work culture, the environment got uh was tainted. It was just like a predatory environment was where the executives would be sitting in on cheerleader tryouts and uh having these uh, interns or whatever and just kinda throw, throwing their weight around. And it's nothing unusual, nothing I mean if you, well, I don't want to say unusual. Excuse me for the ladies out there. My thing is, you got these high-powered executives that think they're untouchable, and they kind of bounce around the office like like they're that. So, um, when you get these young, hungry interns that want to be rich or want the status, you know, I mean, hey, they they're they they're easily compromised. So, um. They had to go to Washington and testify before a committee, and they they confirmed, found him guilty of all of this wrongdoing uh, towards women, abuse, office abuse, things like that. Um, and they still didn't take the team. Well, the past couple of days, Daniel Schneider drops a bombshell saying that he got enough dirt on different owners that will blow up the league. <laughs> and he's ready to go to war so this dude has hired private investigators not recently years ago he has been piling on and hiding and stockpiling information calls emails texts things like this for the past 15 to 20 years and so basically you know the nba got rid of donald starling from the clippers they voted him out blah blah blah, blah. well uh, Daniel Snyder is like, hey, if you come at me to try to make me relinquish my ownership part of the Washington Commanders, I'm gonna drop a bomb and cover and just, just and put dirt on every owner that I got information on in the league. And he unfortunately he named Jerry Jones by name, and because Jerry Jones is the biggest fish in the pond, I get it. That's the biggest name. That's gonna make everybody head turn. Uh, Jerry Jones do his own dirt, so he don't need any help. But apparently, this Daniel Snyder got this secret file on multiple owners and their behaviors and things like that. That he has hired an investigator to look them up. That is unbelievable. And the fact that he made the report—it was reported by ESPN. The fact that it is it's, it's official. He said that. That's gangster. He's going out like Takashi Six Nine. He's gonna fall on the sword. If I go, I'm taking everybody with me. That is unbelievable. Now the owners want him gone. They want to kick him out the billionaire boys club, but how can they? They're scared to. 
I mean, they got Gruden out of there and gave him a gag order where he wouldn't talk. But what are you going to do to Daniel Snyder? If you don't, don't, don't know Daniel Snyder, he made his money with Six Flags. He's the owner of that franchise. So, uh, man, it's unbelievable. Now, what they could do to kind of make it somewhat amicable is see if he could pass, publicly pass ownership to his wife. And he could still kind of maybe pull strings, but to calm the public perception that he's still there and untouchable, maybe he should do that. But he's not even wanting to do that. And not to mention, (laughs) on top of all that, he's putting a horrible product on the field. Horrible product. They look like hot garbage, man. And he's still the owner. What up, man? This dude is evil and maniacal. And if he, if they push him, I have no doubt that he will testify and start dropping bombs like it's nobody's business. It is unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. So, if you haven't read the whole story on Daniel Snyder, if you got time, read the story. I couldn't get in all to it. And, you know, I don't want to bore everybody with all the minute details. But I will say, this dude hired a private investigator to uh, snoop and find out every kind of all this dirt on various owners throughout the leagues and different teams. So he got a file that he's ready to expose if the league try to make him relinquish his rights as ownership of the team. Um, I'm just here to give you the news, guys. You can I want you to look it up if if you like, give you opportunity. If this your first time here, I give you enough to whet your appetite so you can talk about it around the water cooler. But I didn't give you all the gritty details. So I appreciate everybody um that's tuned in and listening today. Uh we're like I said, back and better than ever. I'm working on several things. Like I said, I got a new logo, new New cover art. I'm, I got some theme music coming. Uh, be like Dion, give me my theme music. So I'm excited about that. I just got to work on music selection, selection and things like that. So again, uh, appreciate everyone for coming. Thanks, thanks for the support. Thanks for the love. You can get this episode soon. It'll be anywhere you listen to your podcast: Google, Spotify, Apple everywhere amazon music so um check me out i'll see you next week peace